Shining golden thatched homes of the Kurgs, each with its designated wetlands and grazing pastures, and the telltale wisps of smoke that rose from their hearths into the trees. Finally, the forest at the base of the mountains, dense jungle simmering with a dangerous, compelling beauty, marked only by the faintest of trails. Only the Kurgs knew the jungle trails well, them and the charcoal skinned Polea tribals who served them. The trails had always been jealously guarded, especially in the old days when Kurg lay under siege. The sultans of Mysore had tried for generations to bring this principality under their dominion. The internecine warfare, the abductions, the forced circumcisions and mass executions had only served to unite the Nayaks, patriarchs of the eight most prominent families in Kurg. They had banded together, bidding their clans to stand shoulder to shoulder against Mysore. When the British and their John Company had finally overthrown Mysore, the Kurgs had rejoiced as one. In the peace treaty that followed, Kurg was ceded to the British. They had looked appraisingly at its mist-laden hills and salubrious climes, so well suited to the planting of coffee. They took note of the Kurgs, tall, fierce hotheads, who thought nothing of looking them in the eye and speaking as one man to another. Wisely, they had been patient pushing their agenda with polite, manicured resolve. Eventually, fifty years after they had taken Mysore, the British were formally welcomed into Kurg. Still, despite these days of peace and the roads that the British had carved, skirting the edges of the forest to connect Kurg with the neighbouring provinces, collective memory ran deep. There was a band of armed Kurgs, always stationed at the bend, overlooking the entrance to the forest where the road from Mysore met the mouth of the trail. The Nayaks shared responsibility for manning this post, each staffing it with men from the clans under his dominion for five weeks at a stretch, except for the three months of the monsoons when the trails were rendered impassable by mudslides. Today, the lookout post was quiet. Men lay snoring in the rough bamboo and burlap machan, while Nachimanda Timaya kept watch. If only he had picked the white cowrie shell this year, curse his luck. When Pallada Nayak, the village headman, had announced the date of the cowrie picking, Temaya had gone especially to the Igutappa temple, offering its powerful deity, Igutappa Swami, a whole two rupees, money he could scarcely afford. He had sacrificed a fowl to the ancestors and yet another to the Veera, the ghosts of the valiant. He had even propitiated the wood spirits with a hefty bundle of pork and rice. The day of the picking, when the priest had extended his closed fists towards him, Temea had sent up another fervent prayer to Egutapa Swami. But no, he had pointed at a fist and the priest had opened his palm, only to reveal a black cowrie. Temea had been selected once more, three years running, to man the post. This year was especially hard. It was sowing season, and Muttava should be in her mother's home, not bending over the paddy, not when her belly swelled round and full with another child. He was sitting there, lost in his thoughts, when he started. Someone was running through the jungle, calling for him. Aye, who is it? he shouted, grabbing his matchlock and peering through the branches. The runner came into view, and Temaya recognized him with a pang of alarm. It was one of Paldada Nayak's cattle hands. What happened? he asked tersely, jumping down from the machan. The child, gasped the Polaya, 
wiping sweat from his face. The child is coming. Temaya's face tightened. The baby was not due for many weeks. Why had the pain started so early? Men crowded round him as he laced his sandals and tucked his dagger into his kamarband, telling him not to worry. He loped off along the trail towards the Pallada village. Please, Iguthapa Swami, he prayed over and over. Please. It was dark by the time he got to his home and the lamps had been lit. The dogs let loose for the night. They rushed, barking towards him as he stopped at the Kaimada, the ancestor temple in the courtyard. Ancestors of the Nachimanda clan, he prayed, passing his palms back and forth over the flickering lamps. I will sacrifice a fowl to you. Please let my woman be well. And then his nephews and his son were running out to meet him and his mother, laughing. Oui, you have come, Monet.